Let's go back to Romans chapter 4. And the last two or three Wednesdays, we've been discussing the difference between hope and faith. Romans 4, 17 and 18. And I love when the New Testament gives commentary on the Old Testament because of two reasons. Number one, it helps us understand the Old Testament, but also it shows us how we ought to look at the Old Testament. So in Romans 4, Paul's talking about Abraham as this example of faith and how he received the desire of his heart from the Lord. Romans 4, 17, as it is written, I've made you a father of many nations. He is our father in the sight of God in whom he believed the God who gives life to the dead and calls things that are not as though they were against all hope. Abraham in hope believed and so became the father of many nations just as it had been said to him, so shall your offspring be. So last Wednesday, we alluded to this war going on in Abraham's life between hope and faith. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Say it out loud. It's mine. It's mine. I, have it I have it now. Again, it's mine. It's mine. I, have it now. I have it now. See, that's the posture of faith. Hope is just believing it's going to happen sometime out there at some point. You see, believing is action, and faith is the cause of the action. Believing is action. For example, when you go to Hebrews 11, you have the Faith Hall of Fame. But when you read it, it's Noah did this, and Abraham did that, and Moses did this. It's a description of what? It's a description of, of action. It's a description of what they did. So believing is action and faith is the cause of the action. Hope has no present tense blessing. The hoper lives on hopes. Well, I know God's gonna. See, when you say something like, I know God's gonna, well, there's no faith in it. That's hope. That's not faith. The word is loved and admired, but not acted upon. The hope man only gives mental assent to the word of God. See, it never motivates him. The word of God never motivates the hoper to take action. The hope man does not take action on the word of God because he has no faith to do so. He might even want to, but he doesn't have any faith to do so. I mean, he can admire the word. He can appreciate the word. He can read the word, but he doesn't take action on the word. In John 6, 47, Jesus said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that believeth on me hath everlasting life. He that believeth hath. So the believer is a possessor. I said the believer is a possessor. Say it out loud. The believer is a possessor. Again, the believer is a possessor. And last time I gave you this example, there was a time we didn't have any money. But we, I mean, we, we had some money in retirement accounts. But other than that, we didn't have any money. The church was <laughs> just making it nip and tuck, you know, like every week by week. But then we found scriptures that covered our case. And we memorized those scriptures. And we believed those scriptures. And we confessed those scriptures. But the big issue is then we took action on those scriptures. 
Uh, we obeyed the written word of God. And then on top of that, we obeyed the leading of the Holy Spirit of God. We followed his leading. And over time, then we had money. And, and I said this last Wednesday. And when I say things like this, I'm not just talking. I'm trying to help folk. It dawned on us when we were away on the study retreat. I stopped one morning praying and I told Sue, it just dawned on me that when we got serious about our confession with regard to money. We didn't do that with our bodies. And so these challenges that have been popping up are because we didn't, get, we didn't batten down the hatches with regard to our confession as it related to our bodies. And so this is what uh, we're really on right now. Now, now listen, I look around the room and we have a whole variety of age groups. And so, you know, you might be here this, this evening and you're in your 30s and think, you know, what health challenges? Look, we have, we have, we have gravity. We have, we have poison food. We have poison drugs. Uh, you know, uh, so and I, we, we were on this study retreat. And, uh, you know, she likes to have some half and half in her coffee. And so when she did her grocery store run, because, you know, I was just doing vegetables. So she goes and does her grocery store run. She comes back with some, I, I, I think it was called sugar-free half and half. And, and then she's online that same day. And this doctor says, there's no such thing as sugar-free half and half. If you'll read the label, it's going to have, you know, seed oils, uh, whatever. It's poison. A lot of this stuff, they don't, they're not even allowed to sell it in Europe. You know, I remember years ago, we went and spent 10 days in Naples. And I ate anything I wanted. I mean, I ate cannolis. I ate tiramisu. I ate pizza. I ate anything I wanted. 10 days, I gained one pound. Here in the United States of America, I could gain one pound one-third the way through lunch. <laughs> so, and I'm not a health-type person, but I'm telling you what, man, I've been, we've been doing some reading, and you, you turn those bottles around, and you look, and listen, if you can't pronounce the word, don't eat it. You know, like tomato, okay, I know what that is. Broccoli, okay, I know what that is. Even sugar. But, uh, you know, it's horrifying. So I'm saying, don't take your health for granted. Everybody here, you're all in a, in a, in a faith church. You, you should have a, a prayer routine. And so what I'm saying is, if, uh, if you have built confessions about money into your prayer routine, but not health, well, get on that. And <laughs> whether, whether it is your health or money, sooner works better than later, right? And getting debt paid off and all of these issues. I'm just saying be, be proactive and be preventative in your prayer life. Tell your neighbor, be proactive, be proactive. and be preventative, be preventative. 
in your prayer life. Okay, so he that believeth hath. Now this offends hopers and mentalist sinners. You know, uh, I told the story, I think it was at the power lunch, first time Sue and I ever ate at Joe Stone Crab. We ate there with Kenneth and Aretha Hagen. This was almost 30 years ago, talking about the one that went to be with the Lord in 2003. And uh, so we're having a discussion around the table because this was a two-week meeting and Dad Hagen was not speaking Sunday. And so there was this discussion around the table. What's everybody going to do over the weekend? Well, some people were staying there in Miami and some people were flying back home to speak in their churches and all of that. So, you know, we had this discussion. And I, I said something like, you know, we're going to rent a convertible and, and go down to Key West, which do not do that. That's a total waste of time. <laughs> but anyway, uh, we were going to do that. And, and I don't remember if it was Sue or me made a comment, we just wish we had our convertible from home. And then the question comes up, well, what is that? Well, it's a 9-11. And they didn't believe me. <laughs> Nobody, and, and this is a Kenneth Hagan meeting at a Word of Faith church. And this is 30, almost 30 years ago. If only they could have seen the convertibles I've had since then. <laughs> See, good people, I, I don't mean to disparage anybody, good people, good people. So nearly 30 years ago, we were in our 30s. And they, 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 could, they, they literally didn't believe that anybody at the table could be at that level. See, and Sue and I have always been making forward progress, forward progress, forward progress. Some years are not great big years, but it's forward progress. Say it out loud. Cash should be going up. Debt should be going down. So every, every December 31, you should have more cash than last year and less debt than last year. Amen. Now, there might be some aberrations if you build a house or whatever. I'm just saying, generally speaking. But my point is, this is 30 years ago, almost 30 years ago. And it puts people off. Faith people. Austin and I are the last Kenneth Hagin meeting I ever went to. I didn't want to go to it, but Sue said, look, you need to take Austin because he had never seen a church in a mall. And Kenneth Hagin was doing a, a two-week meeting for Wally Hickey, Wally and Marilyn Hickey, south of Denver. And they had bought a mall and put a church in there. And uh, Sue said, well, Austin's never seen that. You ought to take him. So we, we, and I didn't want to go. Here's the reason I didn't want to go. A Kenneth Hagin meeting was only as good as the people who were going. Because the audience has the ability to pull, to draw the anointing out of a speaker. And, uh, and I knew that the crowd we ran with, none of them were going. Now, why? I don't know. But so anyway, we went. Austin and I went. So we get there, and this pastor, I won't say what state he was from, he wouldn't even shake my hand. You know, uh, the time comes, you know, turn around and greet everybody around you. 
And he just, he just looked at me. And, you know, then it was odd. But we go to dinner afterward, and Austin asked me, he said, how have you been able to make this message work for you? But he said, I look around the room, and I see that it hasn't worked for others. And, and then I, I didn't know how to answer him that night, and I've meditated on that question since because here I am rehearsing it again. And I think the answer is, frankly, actually, what we're on right here, right now, because good people can be hopers. I'm not saying they're not good people. How many of you are related to a Christian hoper? I got my hand up. Come on now, don't be bashful. You're related to a Christian hoper. Probably almost all of us. We're not saying they're not good people. It puts them in a bind, actually, because they don't know how to exercise their own faith. And if you are one of those, he that believeth hath people, their answer from the Lord has got to be calling you. Right? Right? Anybody here experience that but me? In other words, and then they call it, what do they call that? Sowing seeds? What do they call that? Jeremiah Thomas said that they do that. Faith? Faith what? Faith, oh, faith hints. Faith hints. So there are, I'm not making this up. The pastor from New York says this is what they, they did where he went to Bible school. Faith hints. And so they would, just, you know, if you tell 20 people that you can't pay your rent, well, somebody's going to feel bad and help you. And so these are faith hints. Well, that's not really looking to God as your source. He wants me to tell a story, and that's why I'm beating around the bush, because I'd rather not. So our last day in Nairobi, 1983, we had lunch with some of our most favorite and wonderful friends we ever made in our entire lives, even though these people were 45, 50 years older than us, Wayne and Muriel Turner. They had, you know, they were toward the end of their career. They had pioneered a church in Naivasha, Kenya. Uh, Naivasha is the flamingo capital of the world. I preached for Wayne uh, a few times. He was, the church was meeting in a tent. They had a home up on the, on the hill above town, overlooking the lake. You could see, it looked like a third of the lake was pink. It wasn't pink. It was the flamingos. And, uh, why, why would this great, great, great elder missionary befriend us? I don't know, but he did. So our last day in Nairobi, we had lunch with Wayne and Muriel Turner, and I said, Wayne, I said, what advice would you have for me? A young man, I'm leaving Kenya, I'm going home. What advice would you have for me? And he looked at Muriel and he said, should I tell him? She said, yeah, tell him. He said, if I had, this guy was in his 70s. He, he had gotten dispensations to stay on the mission field longer than he was supposed to. And he said, if I had the whole thing to do over, he said, I would pioneer an independent church in the United States and I'd do missions out of it. And we burst out laughing because that's exactly what the Lord had led us to do. And what he said, see, don't ever let what somebody says be a word of leading because the Lord will tell you first. 
but the Lord can be used, can use other people to give you a word of confirmation. Can you see that? In other words, the Lord had already talked to us about this. He was not a word of leading. He was a word of confirmation. And so we came back and the denominational group that we had been with, that we went to Kenya with, um, I, I met with different people, leaders in that denomination, the assistant superintendent, and everybody, everything was good to go. But then a guy that probably never pastored more than 25 people in his entire life lodged a complaint about us pioneering a church in Arlington. And uh, that's how they stop you. And uh, so I went to lunch with this denominational leader, the local guy, not the state guy. And... You know, we had a nice breakfast, and we talked and chatted, and everything was wonderful. And the bill came, and I don't remember who paid the bill, but then I slid my letter of resignation across the table. And I had nobody to look to but my Father in heaven. I knew three millionaires personally. I went to visit all of them. I just knew somebody to help me. Guess, I, I laid my case out to three millionaires. Guess how much money in total I collected from the three? Goose egg. Nada. And so we headed out. We pioneered January 1, 1984 in one-third of a ballroom at the Ramada Inn up there on Collins Avenue. And we looked to the Lord. We looked to the Lord. We looked to the Lord. And that's one reason why we have been able to do what we've been able to do financially because your pastor had to look to the Lord. I, there was no, nobody else. No denomination was going to help me. <laughs> I learned my lesson. Millionaires weren't going to help me. Amen. So I, I had to look to the Lord. He's my father. He's my daddy. Amen. But see, a lot of people don't live like that. You have to understand this. And so they drop these faith hints. And they'll tell you about all their troubles and all their problems. And so they're looking to you as their source. That's the point. That's the point. That's what he's trying to get across. There's a huge difference between looking to the Lord as your source versus looking to people as your source. If you go back and watch the Holy Week revival, I'm going through all the Holy Week revivals now at the house. You go back and you watch the Holy Week revival 2020. I stood up there and I said some crazy things. What empowered me to stand up there in that time frame, COVID mania, you know, Fauciism, what, 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 em, what empowered me to say those crazy things and stand and hold the line was I was looking to God as my source. Somebody might say, yeah, but what if he fails? That can't happen. Amen. What if I miss it somehow? What difference does it make? See, to live is Christ, to die is gain. What difference does it make? People are too worried about dying. Amen. I'm not saying I want to go tonight, but I'm saying I'm not concerned about it. He that hopes may possess sometime, but not now. Say it out loud. He that hopes, he that hopes may, possess may possess sometime, sometime but, not now. but not now. So the hoper is a present tense failure. And many people are in bondage to faith's most dangerous enemy. I think the two biggest enemies for the believer is the mind and hope. Well, I know, God, I know the Lord's gonna. No, he's not. 
Faith is giving substance to that which we vainly hope for. See, hope has no substance. It is an empty cloud. Hope deludes the lost. It deludes the sick. Hope deludes the defeated. There's no hope for the hoper if he remains a hoper. And let me say this. Many, many, many people are hopers on purpose. Many, many, many people are hopers on purpose. You know, while I'm talking to you, the Lord's talking to me, and I just, I, I, I cross these bridges, you know. Do I really want to say that? But I don't want to disappoint him. There are people, here's what he said to me. There are men here tonight, and you've been a hoper. And, and you have no idea where you could be tonight if you had gone all in with God. Yeah, hopers. And you have no idea. See, if you can't see it, you can't get there. And there has to be a service. That's why we're doing services. Somebody might say, Pastor, why are we doing this Holy Week revival? You know, most churches, you know, are not growing and not doing anything. Look, the writer of, the, the, the writer of Hebrews, probably the Apostle Paul said, that we should not forsake the assembling of ourselves together. We should meet all the more as we see the day approaching. I think this week we see the day approaching. So we should meet more. But here's the point of meeting. You never know in what service somebody's going to hear the message that's going to flip the switch of faith and they're going to move from hope to faith and take action. You never know what service is going to do it. And so that's the beauty of holding church. Amen. Maybe Center in Tulsa, Oklahoma, Oral Roberts University, June 1988. We sat there among thousands of people. And we were mesmerized listening to Dr. Frederick Casey Price, the other side of signs and wonders. And he wasn't teaching on it. He just mentioned it as an illustration, the idea of prepaying houses and paying them off. That was, he didn't preach on it. That was just an illustration. And since then, I have paid off one, two, three, four, five houses. And uh, I got three more to go, and then I'm done. Amen. So, okay, so out of the thousands... Must have been four, five, six thousand there that day. Out of the thousands, how many do you think have paid off five houses? Probably one. See, and that's why, to answer Austin's question from Denver that night, that's why the message worked for me and maybe didn't work for others. See, the Bible says, the Lord just said to me, that you have to run with the vision. The Bible talks about the herald running with the vision. So you have to get a vision, but you just can't sit around holding your vision and hoping. When you get the vision and you know what to do, you have to run with it. Can you see that? Amen. You got to put your hand to it and then not look back and run. Now, there's still there's some people here hung up on what I said earlier, that we have some hopers here tonight and you have no idea where you would be if you had gone all in with God. So here's what I have to say about that. And that is, 
two things. One, what do you have to lose? And two, what an adventure of faith. My God, my God, my God. We had this old used El Dorado. It was kind of a tan color. It had a, you know, brown vinyl top, tan leather interior. It was used. And we put, man, that 12-string Martin guitar in the trunk, and I had a Bible, and Sue had already done some interviews, hired a couple of nursery workers. We rented one-third of the ballroom up there and a sleeping room and had the hotel put some cribs in that sleeping room. And, and we drove over there, and you know what? We headed out. It was an adventure of faith. And back even in 1985, I mean, we didn't have anything. We were meeting in a hotel, but we were doing missions. I traveled to Zimbabwe and pioneered churches. I think they were two and three in Zimbabwe. And, and then one of, one of them became a mega church, and then they pioneered churches. But it's astounding what God has done, what God has done, what God has done, what God has done. Amen. See? But if I sat around as a hoper and, and bent my knee to the denomination and uh, said, well, you know, I know, I know that the Lord, it, you know, that it's coming, that that'll happen and all of that, not taking action, well, there's no telling where we'd be. When we come back from uh, Big Cedar, like when we do a couples retreat there, we come back the back way through Arkansas. I come, sometimes we go that way. There's this little denominational full gospel church on that little two-lane highway. Every time we go past there, well, we always lift our hands and say, God bless them, God bless them, God bless them. And then we say to each other, that, that could be where we would be if we had stayed in the system and not believed God. Amen. I love it. I love it, I love it, I love it. What a joy, what a privilege, what an honor to know him. What a joy, what a privilege, what an honor to believe his word. Hallelujah. So faith demands action, and that's the problem. Faith demands action. Hopers are put off by faith. We had a guy here Saturday. We had a guy here Saturday. I won't say what, what, what part, where he's from, what town he's from, but... I don't even know how he got on to Faith Christian Center and this whole thing of taking action. And, uh, but he got on to us somehow. And so he, he's turned into an action fanatic. And God's really blessed him. God's really blessed him. God's really blessed him. But he got in trouble with his church. He was, on, he was a representative of that church to visit jails and prisons. And they threw him off that list. So he can't go, I mean, if I had somebody that I thought was very marginal here at Faith Christian Center, but they were doing jail and prison ministry, even if I thought they were marginal, I would leave them on the list, amen. In other words, go ahead, brother, go ahead. You know, in, other, in, in fact, better there, go do something there rather than teach Sunday school here. You know what I'm saying? But, but they threw him off the list. Why? Because he was talking about tithing in home groups. It's threatening. See? Because <laughs> you have to understand that there is a mentality that's not a faith mentality. 
And it, it, it's intimidating because, you know, if somebody started taking action on the Word of God, well, they might get blessed. Well, then how would that make us feel? So the best thing is nobody move ahead. Do you understand that? Everybody stay where you are. It's like robbing a bank. Nobody move, you know. But, but when you start walking with God in faith, what happens? You start pulling ahead. There are a lot of people here tonight, and your tithe in 2023 is greater than your income was when you walked in the doors of Faith Christian Center. So prayer that is based on hope is sure to fail. Salvation that is based on hope never comes to maturity. The sick person who hopes for healing remains sick. Now, what I'm saying is find ways to take action on the Word of God, the Bible. Don't be an action shirker. Hopers are action shirkers. Go out of your way. Inconvenience yourself in the pursuit of taking action on the written Word of God. Be an instructions follower, and your life will improve dramatically. Jesus was God speaking. I think we let go of this. Jesus was God speaking. How solemn that is. It's pregnant with a challenge from the very throne of God. Jesus said, heaven and earth may pass away, but my words will never pass away. He was not only the word, he was the living word. He was the miracle performing word. He was the death destroying word. He was the life giving word. And John 10, 10, Jesus said, I've come that they might have life and that they might have that life more abundantly. And I was preaching this. Don't think this is recent. That first series on how to make your dreams come true, January 1984, I was preaching this right here out of John 10, 10. And I was telling them, I have come down to this hotel to tell you that Jesus has come, that you might have life and that you might have life more abundantly. See, that was the very life and nature of God talking. That was the nature of God in his words. The, 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 the power of God is in the words of God. And the Bible is the words of God written down. That reference on heaven and earth passing away is Matthew 24, 35. And Peter wrote in 1 Peter, 2, 20, 1 Peter 1, 23, for you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and enduring word of God. Say it out loud. His word, His word is, living is living and enduring. And enduring. It, is it is imperishable. And we have been born again through that word. And in the Greek, it reads living word, zontos logos. So this word of God lives and it lives in me. Say it out loud. The word of God lives. Of God lives. It lives in me. And it lives in all of us. This living logos, the life-giving word of God, of the living, the, the life-giving word of the living God lives in us. It is a life-giving word of the living God, and it lives in all of us. All of our problems are from ignoring the word of God. I said all of our problems, you know, child-rearing problems, money problems, you know, marriage strife, all of it. It's all because we decided to do it our way instead of the Lord's way. Jeremiah 1.12, then, the then said the Lord unto me, thou hast well seen, for I will hasten my word to perform it. God says, I will hasten my word to perform it. The Amplified Bible says, then the Lord said to me, you have seen well, for I am actively watching over my word to fulfill it. Now I've come to this place in prayer and I, I didn't just decide to get here, I evolved here and that is this. We'll come to it. I think it's coming up here. 
1 John 5, 14, 15, this is the confidence we have in approaching God that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us and we know that if he hears us, whatever we ask, shout out loud, whatever we ask. Whatever we ask. And we know that if we ask anything according to his word, he hears us and if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we have asked of him. So I've come to this place in my life that I don't, if I utter something that I'm believing God for, I follow it with a scripture. I think he's watching over his word to perform it. In fact, I don't think that. I know that because that's what Jeremiah 1.12 says. I will hasten my word to perform it. Let me ask you this. How many of you want the Lord to answer your prayers slowly? <laughs> no, we want the Lord to answer our prayers how? Quickly. So, but we have word on this because the word says, for I will hasten my word to perform it. He says in the Amplified, I'm actively watching over my word to fulfill it. So I've evolved to this, that when I make a statement of faith in prayer, I follow it with a scripture. And, and some of them, three or four or five or six, depending on what I'm uh, saying. And I, I want him, because here's what I've come to see that it is his own word that catches his attention. Now listen, if you doubt the power of the word of God, just take some obscure four or five words from some obscure book, some obscure chapter, some verses nobody ever heard about or quoted, and you Google them. It'll take you right there. Have you ever done this? Have you, ever, have you ever wanted to tell somebody about a news article or something you saw online and you, you didn't make a note of it and you go online and you try and find it and, and you could spend two or three hours and you will not find it because there are, there are trillions of documents out there and you're searching for these four or five words and you can't find what you're trying to share. But you take four or five words from God's word and it'll take you right there. Why is that? Because his words are not like any other words. I said his words are not like any other words. 2020 to 2023 should have made plain to us how safe it is to trust this living word versus trusting man. <laughs> you know, I had people fuss at me in 2020. Not that many, but I had some people fuss at me you know, I stood up here, Holy Week Revival 2020, and I, I made some outrageous statements. But everything I said came to pass. It all came to pass. It all came to pass. It all came to pass. But I had one or two people fussing me. You know, Pastor, you know, they wanted to talk to me about risk. I don't see risk. Anything bad has ever happened to me is because I, I didn't go by God's word. I went by my own bright ideas. But when I have stood on the word of God without flinching, he's always met me there and he's always been faithful. Can I get an amen? amen. Psalm 146.3 says, do not put your trust in princes and mortal men who cannot save you. They can't save you. They can't save you. And now I don't know if you read about this or not, but man, it's all ludicrous. It's all ridiculous. And Sweden was the, the benchmark. I mean, 
You probably don't remember this, but CNN and other outlets, were they were mocking Sweden. I mean, how dare these people? Oh, the bars were open, the restaurants were open, you know, the movie theaters were open. It was all, uh, they're all going to die. Well, they have the lowest, they have the lowest mortality in the last three years of any Western country. The lowest. And so everything they said, Social distancing, that didn't work. Masking, but you still see people wearing masks. Look, if you're here tonight with a mask on, you know, you know, more power to you. It doesn't matter to me, amen, but I ain't wearing one. I'm not going to wear one. I, 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 I just, uh, I, anybody who reads knows that the virus particles were smaller than those ridiculous blue masks. And then people were wearing like scarves over their noses and all of this stuff. You know, as one, one Hollywood actress had made a, uh, a mask out of a sock. I mean, you know, give me a break. You know? Everything they said. Pastor, do you think they were mistaken? No, I think they knew and they were lying. I think... I think, they got, I think they got the whole world trained like Pavlov's dogs. What's Pavlov's dogs? Well, that was a psychological experiment. In other words, you just, you just train an animal, and they were training us as animals. And those poor people in Australia, they have the highest, they have the highest, what do they call that? Overall mortality? What do they call that? They have the highest mortality of any of any, any of these Western countries. And it wasn't that many years ago they gave up their guns. And if you think it was the First Amendment that saved us, it was not the First Amendment that saved us because they were shutting down people. They're still shutting down people on YouTube and uh, Facebook. And, and just this week they were shutting down people on Twitter. So there's, the First Amendment didn't do anything. It was that, that other one. It was that other one. Otherwise, we would have been New Zealand and Australia. Here at Faith Christian Center, we are teaching exactly what the world hates. We're teaching Keep yourself pure. Find a suitable partner for life. Get married. Make your own money. Don't don't vote to steal your neighbor's money. Make your own money. Find someone suitable to marry. Make a bunch of money. Have as many kids as you want and make Satan's people cry. <laughs> That's what the whole deal's about. Because, see, they want everybody to be broken. They want everybody in therapy. They want everybody on drugs. They want everybody defenseless. They want everybody broke and dependent on the government. See? Because if you're standing in the cheese line, how, how much free will do you have if you're standing in the cheese line? 
And that's, that's my will for you. That's what I want for you. I, man, I want you, to, I want you to be so blessed. You know, you can have whatever number of children you want to have. You want to live in the city, you live in the city. Who wants that? You want to live out a little bit. You know what I'm saying? You want some land. And we need land. Amen. You know, I, I got nine acres. Austin's got five and our neighbors are still a problem. So there's a better number. I don't know if it's 50 or 100, but there's a better number. Do you understand? I mean, I th I, silly me, I, I thought nine acres, I won't have any neighbor problems. Oh my gosh, was I kidding myself. And Austin with five, oh my gosh. So there's, we need, we need land. See, we need to prosper. Amen. I said, we need to prosper. Amen. You know, they want to shove us all in 15 minute cities. Look, I want to have enough land. It takes me 15 minutes to get to the gate. <laughs> You understand? Yes. And that way you don't have problems with neighbors. I want you blessed. Amen. I want you healed. I want you whole. I want you happy. Amen. Amen. God is so good. God is so good. God is so good. I'm going to do one more verse and quit. God speaks. And then God sets a watch over it to see that it is made good as we trust in his word and as we repeat his word. Colossians 3.16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Outside of Faith Christian Center, how many Christians do you know and you would say that the word of Christ dwells in them richly? Can you name somebody? I can't. I, I don't know of anybody. I don't know of anybody. I mean, I do like a, a married couple that are in the ministry uh, and maybe some other ministers. But as far as people, I don't know anybody outside of Faith Christian Center that I could say that the word of Christ dwells in them richly. But that's the will of God. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom and as you sing psalms and hymns and spiritual psalms with gratitude in your hearts to God. See, the word of God dwells in you in the measure you practice it. I said the word of God dwells in you to the measure you practice it. Now, I, I could stay here and teach a month, but... You find out where the rubber meets the road, you know, like on misbehaving children. Are you a doer of the word or are you practicing some theory? You know, how about forgiving your husband? How about forgiving your wife? How about walking in love in the home? Are you, are you doing what the word of God says or are you operating by some theory? And how we handle our money. Are you saving money? Are you saving money? Are you saving at least $5 every seven days, no matter what? Are you managing your money? Are you a good steward of your money? Are you, are you honoring God with your money? You see what I'm saying? It is the extent that you take action on the word of God that determines whether or not the word of God dwells in you richly. <laughs>